What is up, families? Dr. Dale, the author of How to Raise a Doctor and the author of Pre-Med Mondays, both books are available on Amazon.com. So make sure you grab your copies there and you're listening to the Black Men and White Coats podcast, a place where black male clinicians have the platform to share their stories with people like you. I am super excited about today's guest, but before I introduce them, I want to remind you guys about the Black Men and White Coats Youth Summit. That's the Black Men and White Coats Youth Summit. It's going to be taking place on February 16th, 2019, so just next month, in Dallas, Texas, on the campus of UT Southwestern Medical Center. You know, initially, we, you know, first year event, I was like, okay, I want to put this event on. My goal is to get a thousand people registered, so I'm going to cap it at a thousand people, and we're going to take great care of those people who show up. So we're still over a month out, and we're already broke 900, so we're going to break a thousand probably this week. So we're going to lift that cap, everybody. We are going to lift that cap. I've got emails from people saying, hey, Dr. Dale, you know, can we still bring this group? Can we? Yes. Come on, come on, and bring the group. We're lifting that cap. So don't worry about that thousand that you've heard before. We're getting rid of that, all right? So very excited to have all of you guys there. If you come to the event and you're a podcast listener, please come shake my hand and just say, hey, Dr. Dale, I listen to your podcast. You know, I would love to hear that. I would love to shake your hand. That way it lets us know that the work we do here on this podcast is not done in vain. All right, so looking forward to seeing you all. Black Men and White Coats Youth Summit, Dallas, Texas, February 16th, campus of UT Southwestern Medical Center. Is for third grade and above, boys and girls alike are welcome. All right, looking forward to seeing you guys. So let's get into this episode. Dr. Daryl Gray is the guest. I should say Dr. Daryl Gray, the second actually, is our guest on this episode. Great, great, great story. And you know, from listening to him, it sounds like just an all-around great, great guy. I know him, we know each other from social media and chatting and things of that sort. But honestly, I don't believe I've actually ever met Dr. Gray in person. But you know, we're in a sense as social media friends, whatever that means. So we're very, very acquainted with each other via social media. But I learned quite a lot from him on this episode as we were putting this episode together. One thing I learned is that we both did our internal medicine residencies at Duke. So we finished just before I did, then I came through. So we both did that together. So that was pretty cool just to know that we had that in common. But the other thing is I learned that we're both people of strong faith. And and he's somebody, as you listen to this podcast, you'll just hear how he lives and breathes that. And I, I appreciate that. I know everybody's got different faiths and things of that sort. But it's, it's always cool to see how somebody's own faith impacts their journey and their walk to, to their own personal success. Throughout this episode, what you're going to hear is just positivity. And that's really why I like it so much. Just a whole lot of positivity. So you can't listen to this episode and not want to root for the guy. You know, you can't listen for this episode and not, not reflect on your own life and say, hey, I need to have a good outlook on life. That's what you're going to get from this episode. And that's why I really, really appreciate Dr. Gray's story. You're going to enjoy it. Check it out. The journey to a career in medicine is not easy. Mine certainly hasn't been. But I can surely testify, and I'm a testimony, that anyone who has the passion, work ethic, and calling to pursue this field can do it. There will undoubtedly be setbacks, uh, but I've come to find that setbacks can be setups for comebacks. Uh, my story is one of relationships, victories, failures, hardships, uh, but favor and blessings that surpass my understanding, all of which have helped me to get uh, where I am today. I grew up in the Baltimore area. I attended public schools. For those who may be listening from that area, I attended Mount Washington Elementary, Falstaff Middle School, and Baltimore Polytechnic Institute. And I had great teachers, uh, but my greatest education came from my family, both my biologic family and my church family. 
my dad piqued my interest in internal medicine. He practiced internal medicine in inner city Baltimore and uh, saw patients from a, a spectrum of backgrounds, uh, both those who uh, were very poor to those who were affluent. And it had a huge impact on me to see um, the uh, impact that he had on people's lives, both in times of sickness, but also in wellness. The rapport he carried with patients and their families uh, throughout the city um, uh, really uh, meant something to me. I remember being on rounds in the hospital with him. I remember uh, being in his office and actually uh, participating in, you know, the um, clinical encounter and was literally amazed uh, by what I saw. Uh, my mother, uh, my mother uh, taught in elementary school for years. She taught in uh, Baltimore uh, city and county schools for over 30 years before she retired. And um, she influenced hundreds upon hundreds of lives uh, through education. And my sister likewise, who has uh, since pursued a career in education as well. And they created an environment in which it made me feel as though anything that I could dream or want to do, it wasn't outside of my reach. And that's not to say that they didn't instill um, an understanding of what the world is like and the challenges I could face in the world, uh, but more so uh, instilled in me principles that what God has for you is for you. And if you work towards it, because faith without works is dead, you can achieve it. I honestly didn't have to look too far to see examples of this, not, not only in my uh, mother and father and sister, but even to my grandparents, my um, grandfather uh, migrated from the south up to uh, the Baltimore area to work for Bethlehem Steel. And uh, without a formal kind of college education, similar to my grandmother, no formal high school or college education, um, they saw their children and grandchildren be able to go to college and achieve success in their careers. But similar to all of them, uh, and similar to the words of Langston Hughes, uh, life for me ain't been no crystal stair. There have been naysayers. I remember in high school, um, and I was a fairly good student, uh, but I remember having a teacher who told me once uh, that I wouldn't get into medical school. She knew that I wanted to go to medical school. She knew what my aspirations were, uh, but she took it upon herself one day to say that. There have been hardships. Uh, I remember uh, in late high school and definitely early college, uh, my parents separated and ultimately got divorced. Um, and, you know, it's things like that that can really emotionally uh, take you off course. And I've had failures. I remember in college, um, really one of the classes I did the poorest in was biochemistry. Um, and that was the lowest grade I'd ever gotten in class. And, you know, to get, you know, how that feeling when you get a report card and you um, uh, see something that you're, you could be expecting or maybe even not expecting, um, but it's not good. And I remember my heart dropping and, you know, it, it seemed like my whole life was flashing before my eyes <laughs> that, you know, it was possible that I would not be able to achieve my dream, you know, because I was thinking, hey, 
you know, these medical schools are going to be looking at my grades, they're going to see this, and, you know, it's, I'm done. I remember, too, having a similar feeling when, after taking the MCAT, the medical college admission test, I really got a score that I didn't think that was reflective of my studying and my uh, work I had put into it. It was really a poor, poor score, and I was crushed. I thought, literally, that was the end of my dream of being a doctor. But I'm so glad that I didn't stop there. I'm so glad that I didn't stop at the heartbreak. I didn't stop at the embarrassment. I didn't stop at the hurt. Um, I remembered, you know, scriptures like Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. And I remember scriptures like, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And I just kept pushing. I just kept pushing. I, I, I didn't stop believing that I could get there, that I could be a physician, that I could be a doctor, that I could achieve that dream. And so, yeah, I prayed. And prayer works. Amidst the kind of separation and divorce of my parents, uh, I applied to college, not knowing necessarily how I was going to finance college. Um, uh, my dad's practice because of one of his partners kind of dissolved and um, we were really on my mom's uh, teacher salary and um, uh, but we kept the faith I applied to college got into Morehouse College and that was the only college I applied to and you know kept praying and fortunately got a full scholarship to Morehouse College and really that for me was a game changer I mentioned, you know, the poor score in my biochemistry class in college, um, and I mentioned the poor score I got on the MCAT. But don't you know that um, um, the relationships I had were so pivotal during those time periods? So I strongly believe that iron sharpens iron, and I've been blessed to have some really strong friendships and mentorships and. Um, uh, really strong guidance from people uh, even while I was in college. I remember having brothers I could look up to, whether they were my teacher's assistant, uh, my lab assistant in college, or just a brother who was on the, in the same lane trying to do similar things to what I was doing. I remember people like uh, Rob Drummond, uh, Khalil Cumberbatch, Isaac Carey Carey, all now very successful brothers. Um, but I also remember my closest of friends, people who were like my family, Chaz Arnett, Torian Eastling, Jason Taylor, Mark King, Jonathan Perkins. These brothers were in the trenches with me. And though all of them were not pursuing careers in medicine, one in law, one in, two in engineering, another one in medicine, they all were grinding. And yeah, we had fun together. But well, we also pushed each other together. And I didn't mention their names to necessarily put them in the limelight, but I think it's extremely important to remember those who've had a significant impact on your life and who've helped you to get to where you are. And inevitably, I'm going to forget uh, some of the brothers' names who I was closest to, particularly in college. Um, so forgive me for, for those I've left out. And even in college, uh, mentorship was extremely valuable. Um, I had a former mentor uh, who has since passed, Thomas J. Blocker. Um, 
this guy was a magician um, in getting black males into medical school and he had set up a fantastic pipeline by which to do so and I remember he helped also to get me into summer programs where I could kind of harness my skills in science um, and those are the kind of experiences that are extremely valuable for someone pursuing a career in medicine. Now I mentioned victories. I ultimately did graduate college and get into medical school. I went to Howard University College of Medicine. So I went from one HBCU to another and there was nothing like it. I can't describe to you what it feels like to be in a class of people from different backgrounds, but people who look like you and who are not trying to step on your back or to do anything cutthroat to succeed in the classwork or in the clinical wards, but who are working alongside you, who are encouraging you, who are pushing you to succeed. Medical school was tough, I mean, period. Um, it's not much I can compare that experience to. I had to adjust my study habits many times over. You know, I would go from doing all-nighters to studying alone, to studying in groups, to try to figure out what worked best to not only understand the sea of information that's thrown at you, but to be able to apply that information as well. And I failed some tests. Simple as that. I mean, it didn't feel good. I wasn't striving to fail. Um, I was putting my best foot forward, but there were some tests that I failed. But I was sure that, you know, if I failed one, I was going to fail that course again or fail that um, test for that class again. And fortunately, I never failed any courses. But again, it was a team effort. Um, I had some folks that I was studying with who helped me to get the material, who helped me, you know, who I could go to with questions. I also felt uh, as though I had an outlet for, you know, some of the stress I was under. Um, I could go to church. I could hang out with friends. I could call my family. Um, and it's so important to have uh, that when you're navigating such a stressful um, um, part of your life. So I'm chugging along. I'm doing what I have to do. I'm working hard, um, you know, transitioning from just the coursework part, which was the first two years of schoolwork, of medical school, into the wards, kind of seeing patients, learning from doctors and residents, um, how to evaluate patients, um, how to establish uh, differential diagnoses, um, the best way to, to manage patients for certain diseases. And so I'm in my flow, I'm in my groove, and it's it's getting time to apply for residency, which is the next step after medical school. And throughout uh, my med school career, I was thinking cardiology. You know, something just really cool about the heart. Plus, um, you know, cardiovascular disease was the number one killer of African Americans, and I really wanted to have an impact there. And so I was applying for cardiology residencies, and I'm shooting for the top. Um, you know, I'm making my rank list with some of the top programs in the nation. I remember going uh, to a leader um, at the medical school who was no longer in that position, but uh, a leader there and showing them my rank list and them looking at the list and then looking back at me, looking at the list and then looking at my transcript, looking at the list and then looking back at me and saying um, with a serious uh, stern face, well, I see you have some of the top programs on here. 
I think you'll be much better by adding some um, lower tier programs to your list. Wow. Um, someone I trusted, you know, someone I thought that would be kind of bad in my corner. And, and I kind of get it. They're saying, hey, you need to have a kind of a fail safe. But I guess it was just the way they said it and the way they looked at me that made me feel as though potentially those places were out of reach. But if there's one thing I've learned over time is that you don't have to accept what people say. You don't have to accept what even mentors kind of say to you if you feel like it's not in your best interest. So it doesn't align with what you've been called to do. So I kept my list the same. And lo and behold, when match day came, I got my number one uh, ranked place for residency. I went to Duke. I wanted to go there because I wanted to to um, be a cardiologist. Now, I will say that soon after getting there and then uh, being in the uh, cardiac intensive care and being on the cardiology wards inpatient service, I realized that I liked cardiology, but I didn't love it. I felt like I then saw the light, if you will, uh, rounding with some gastroenterologists and uh, um, ultimately followed that path with going into getting a fellowship in gastroenterology. One of my most memorable experiences while I was in residency was when I traveled for a global health rotation and I went to Bomet, Kenya. I was in Kenya for three months. I was working at Tinwick Hospital. And I remember one morning when I was the attending over the wards, attending being the main doctor who was, I was managing the men's ward, the women's ward, internal medicine ward. I was a, um, also managing the ICU. I was a consultant for the surgical services and occasionally staffed the emergency department as well. So it was quite busy. But I remember one morning when I was on the men's ward and I noticed one man who seemed to not be doing well. And I went over, I realized that he was having an arrhythmia or abnormal heart rate. And I called out for the crash cart, which is kind of has some medicines and different things you need to try to um, um, get someone out of an arrhythmia. And I didn't have what I needed. They didn't have it. They didn't have it. And um, I literally watched this guy. I knew what to do. I had the knowledge. I knew what I should have done, but couldn't do it because we just didn't have the tool at the time. And it was one of the most crushing feelings just to see that guy's life slip, slip away in front of me. It was like, you know, I spent all this time, I had all this knowledge, you know, going from college to medical school and then residency. Um, but knowing what to do and then being able to do it were two different things. And I felt crushed. But what changed it were the people who were around him, his family who was there. His family came up to me and embraced me. His family prayed for me. They weren't even speaking in English. They were speaking in Swahili, which I didn't understand, but it comforted me. And it's amazing how much um, people's words can have an effect on you. You know, the, the power of life and death is in the tongue and they used it for encouragement. And at a time when I should have been really kind of consoling them because they lost a family member, they were consoling me. I remember a similar instance of the power of words when, while I was in fellowship, and it was a long day, a rough day, you know, one of those days when you've been working all day. I had done some procedures. Um, I had rounded on the service. I was doing notes, trying to catch up. I was in a process of, you know, doing feedback on myself, processing what I had done today, what I had done that day, you know, what I had done wrong, what I had done right, what I could have done better. And I remember just kind of feeling down. You know, and I was walking back to 
the area where I kind of write my notes and um, I remember one of the uh, janitorial staff saying, hey, hey, brother. And I looked over and they just smiled and said, I'm proud of you. And I mean, literally, I just kind of stopped and, um, you know, it just changed my whole demeanor. I smiled, said thank you, you know, but that had such an impact, um, not only on that day, but just how I even proceeded on from there. And I've since also had um, patients, you know, patients that I'll see in the hospital now or in the clinic that will say, you know what, I'm proud of you. I don't see too many African-American brothers who are out here as a physician. I'm so proud. And that for me has just been positive reinforcement that I'm operating in my lane, that uh, I truly am called to do this and I'm here for a reason. And all the other comments, all the hardships, all the failures pass away when I think about that. You know, all the times when patients have said some racist things, all the times when patients have, um, you know, maybe looked at my advice and looked to appear for other advice because they look different than me. Um, all, all that kind of passes away when I think about uh, the many blessings I've had, the people who have been put in my life, the encouragement that's been poured over me, the favor that's been in my life. And oh yeah, before I forget, you know, I have a life too. You know, it's a common misconception that uh, doctors don't have life, they can't get married, they can't have children because they're so busy. Um, you know, it's not uncommon I get medical students, even undergraduates who come into the office for some guidance, some mentorship, some advice, and they say, you know, I want to have a family. What specialty should I go into or what career should I do? And my response is always the same. Go after what you love. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. It was amidst my residency that I met my wife. She experienced some of my hardest times in training with me, not only residency, but fellowship. And not to mention, when you're in residency and fellowship and training, you're not necessarily getting paid a whole lot. So imagine, you know, me going from residency to then gastroenterology fellowship to then doing wanting to do another fellowship. I left gastroenterology fellowship, didn't go into practice yet. I pursued at the Mongan Commonwealth Fund Fellowship in Minority Health Policy in Boston through the Harvard uh, Medical School and uh, Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health. I remember talking to some of my mentors uh, prior to applying to that program, and they were encouraging me kind of to go into practice or academia, and I just felt led otherwise, and I had to follow that leading. And that program has been a game changer, a life changer for me, not only for the relationships that I've made, the network that I'm a part of, the experiences that I've had, but how I'm able to apply that in my everyday life now. I'm a gastroenterologist, which means I take care of patients uh, who have uh, symptoms, diseases of the gastrointestinal tract. I see patients in clinic, but I also do procedures like upper endoscopies and colonoscopies, where I can actually use long, flexible cameras to look inside the gastrointestinal tract. Where I practice at The Ohio State University uh, Wexner Medical Center and The Ohio State University Comprehensive Cancer Center, I have some leadership positions that that I love. I'm the deputy, deputy director of the Center for Cancer Health Equity. I'm the medical director of endoscopy and gastroenterology services at the University Hospital East Campus. 
and I get to work with uh, nurses, surgical technicians, researchers, doctors, advocates, survivors, particularly cancer survivors, and trying to reduce disparities, particularly cancer health disparities. I get to do work in the community, boots on the ground in the community, engaging community and embracing wellness. I get to chair a, a steering committee for our uh, health system called the Health Equity Steering Committee, where we're trying to guide the, the medical center in efforts that will get us closer toward health equity. I also get to serve on, our, on the board of our accountable care organization. I serve outside of our medical center for uh, what's called ETSS, or Ethiopian Tawahado Social Services, which is a local nonprofit organization that helps uh, new Americans become self-sufficient in central Ohio. I work with leaders in our local Franklin County on a uh, uh, poverty work plan to try to uh, eliminate poverty. And I get to do many other things and wear many other hats that I love. But what I love most is being a husband is being a dad to my two daughters and my son on the way. And so in closing, I have some advice, uh, not only for students who are interested in a career in medicine, but also the parents and the community that surrounds these students. Uh, for the students, choose your friends and mentors wisely. Uh, the truth is that you can tell a lot about which direction your life is headed by looking at the company you keep. Uh, your friends' values and priorities impact the way you think and act and can either hinder you from achieving success or propel you, propel you toward it. Um, cultivate relationships that help you grow intellectually and spiritually and make sure you get a mentor. Um, anyone can claim to be a mentor, but it's uh, the individual who invests the time to build your character as much as your competency, who will challenge you as much as they encourage you um, and who will help you to see your destination and guide you beyond the potholes roadblocks and hazards on the journey that's really your mentor second piece of advice is chart your own course and don't be afraid to take risks one of my favorite stories in the bible is uh, that of david and goliath you know the story um, david was the youngest of eight sons of jesse and a sheep herder uh, his three oldest brothers uh, followed king saul to war and one of the battlegrounds uh, where it was the Israelites versus the Philistines. Now, David's father sent David to the battleground to take food to his brothers. And while doing so, he caught sight of Goliath, um, who is a champion of great stature and strength, um, who was challenging the Israelites. Now, the Bible says that whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled in great fear. However, David told Saul, I'll fight him. Um, King Saul offered David his coat of armor, uh, a bronze helmet and sword, but David wisely used his own staff, picked up five smooth stones and put them in his shepherd's bag and his own sling. And he used his own tools to bring down the giant. See, I like that because, you know, it shows that, you know, he had he had some guidance, right? He had someone who was trying to guide him to do the right thing, but he knew what was right. He knew in his heart uh, what tools to use. Um, and so he charted his own course and was not afraid to take a risk. Lastly, keep the main thing the main thing. As a student, your main job is to excel in school. You may be working outside of school, but your primary job is your education. Now on this journey, I assure you, there will be distractions and distractions can come in the many forms. It can be people, places, things, um, but don't be distracted, stay focused. And remember, you are not alone in this journey. Now family, and church family and friends of those who are, are pursuing a career in medicine, 
make sure that you're fostering an environment of growth. There's an intimate relationship between environment and growth. Uh, you can look at nature and see examples of this. If you take a small shark and confine it to a fish tank aquarium, it will stay the size proportionate to the space in which it has grown, um, uh, proportionate to the size of the tank. Um, however, if you take the same shark and release it into the ocean, it will grow to its fully mature size. Uh, so the same thing about environment. You want to be a stimulus for people's growth. And you want to choose your words wisely. I, as I gave you an example of, you know, uh, there's uh, the power of life and death are in the tongue. And so you want to be speaking life in, 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 into the students um, who are going through what is, can be a very challenging time traversing school and getting into residency, get, well, going through med school, getting into residency, getting into a fellowship, etc. But if there's nothing else that you can think of to say, remember one of the scriptures I said earlier, Jeremiah 29, 11. Now, I'm not trying to preach to you, but I, this deposited something into me that helped to change my perspective. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I'm Daryl Gray, and I'm a black man in a white coat. Thank you so much, Dr. Gray, for just being an inspiration and just being a positive inspiration. You know, nowadays, sometimes you hear so many people complaining about medicine or, you know, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I don't know why I went into this career. And to hear somebody coming with just complete positivity is very refreshing because that's what our youth need. That's what the individuals, the, the young kids who I'm so desperately hoping and praying that are listening to this podcast, that's what they need to hear. They need to hear people who are excited about what they do, people who are positive, right? People who believe in the mission that they are called to do. So thank you for doing that, Dr. Gray. One of, you said a lot of great things. A lot of great things were in this episode. One of my favorite things came right off the bat. Setbacks can be set ups for comebacks. Setbacks can be set up for comebacks. And we all have our own setbacks. All of us have faced something in life where we're like, ooh, I feel like Mike Tyson just hit me. We've all faced that where we thought we weren't going to get back up from it. But if you just hang in there long enough, if you just don't quit, what you realize is that setback was your setup for your comeback. You can see that in Dr. Gray's story. He talked about the MCAT, right? And he talked about how he didn't do as good on the MCAT initially, but he said, I'm glad I didn't stop there. I am so glad I did not stop there. You know what else? I bet you his patients today are glad he didn't stop there. Because that's one less doctor who would have been there to take care of them. Not just one less doctor, but one less great doctor such as Dr. Gray, right? So as you guys are on this journey, working your way towards becoming medical doctors, Remember these things. He talked about, he quoted from Jeremiah several times, right? I know the plans that I have for you, right? About prospering, plans to prosper. Just remember these things as you're going on your journey. Remember, don't give up. Setbacks, 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 they're going to happen. But don't quit hanging there, right? You can't produce a diamond without going through some pressure. In order to make a diamond, you got to have pressure. You just have to have pressure. So when you're in that pressure cooker, when things are hot, when things are heated, Hang in there, just like Dr. Gray did. Hang in there because there's a patient on the other side of that waiting for you to become a medical doctor. So shout out to you, Dr. Gray. Kudos to you for everything you've accomplished. You know, he's been to Duke, been to Harvard, at the Ohio State, still doing a lot of great things. And we're very proud of you. I will say that as somebody, you know, who talks to a lot of black male doctors, of course, who, you know, I do this podcast and I do other things. But as somebody who interacts with a lot of black male doctors, I will say kudos to you. I'm very proud of what you've done. And I'm very honored and blessed to say that you were a guest on Black Men and White Coats. So thank you so much. Thank everybody else for listening to this. Remember, if you want the worksheets for the episodes, go to www.blackmenandwhitecoats.org backslash worksheets. And also remember, Black Men and White Coats, DFW, 
So be there, Dallas Fort Worth Youth Summit. We want to see you guys there, right? February 16th. Check it out at www.blackmenandwhitecoats.org backslash summit. You can find information there to get registered for the summit, right? I would love to see you guys there. And as always, any pre-meds, you have any questions, find me on Pre-Med Star. Thanks for listening, and I will see you guys next week. Love you.